following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 19, 2020 by Vicar Sam Schultz on the basis of verses from Matthew chapter 13. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. The history of the world can be summed up by this question. Who's in charge? What nation or kingdom is dominating what part of the world? Who's the biggest and the baddest? Throughout history, we see a successive line of kingdoms and nations rise and fall. You have the Egyptians, and then the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and then the Persians, and the Greeks, and the Romans, and the Byzantines, and then the Ottomans, and then the French, and the German, and the Spanish, and the British empires. And now it's kind of the Americans, and the Russians, and the Chinese, all kind of competing for power and influence. And all these nations, all these kingdoms, have one thing in common. The way they spread is by flexing their muscles with their big armies or their really powerful weapons or their really seductive philosophy or just by going to places and saying, hey, you want to be part of our kingdom? Well, too bad. But God's kingdom, God's uh, rule over the hearts of people spreads not by power, not by big, fantastic signs, but by something much less impressive, much much less flashy. God's kingdom spreads through the hearing of the truth. And that's exactly what was happening uh, in Galilee uh, in the chapter before our text for today. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were going around and they were spreading the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. And some people were really with it. They liked it. And some people, not so much. And some people did everything in their power to stop them from preaching the good news. And if I'm a disciple, I, I got to be wondering to myself, well, isn't this God's kingdom? There is no higher power. Like, this is it. Why are people rejecting this? Maybe we need to change our methods. Maybe we need to change our message a little bit. We've got to change something, right, so we can get more people, and maybe we just give them what they want so that we can get more people. And maybe we kind of feel that way too sometimes because we all have people that we love, that, that we know really need Jesus in their lives, but they just don't want it. They're, they're not interested. And we're constantly haunted by the question, why don't people want to be in the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus shows that the kingdom of God doesn't spread the way that we would expect. You know, Jesus' sovereignty, his authority on earth, his kingdom spreads through a seed. And the seed looks small and unimpressive, but it has the power to change our lives in a way that nothing else can. But the disciples were right to wonder. You know, in the chapter before our text, Jesus casts out a demon, and the Pharisees, the ones who knew the Old Testament the best, who really should have been loving Jesus because they knew that the Messiah was coming, they should have been excited the most, and they wanted to kill him. And the places where Jesus did the most miracles, 
those are the places that he was kicked out of. And the people that were closest to Jesus, his mother and his siblings, they tried to shut him up. They tried to get him out of the spotlight. Why are the people that we would expect uh, to love the gospel the most, why are they the ones that are rejecting it? Well, Jesus kind of answers our question through a parable. The way the kingdom spreads is not through big, powerful acts, but through the seed. It's more like a farmer going out to uh, sow his seed. So that's the, the parable he tells. There's a sower, and it's time to plant his crops. And the first thing he does, he's got a seed in his hand, and he throws it on the path. Interesting move. And of course, the, the seed doesn't grow. There's no dirt, and the birds come and snatch it up. But Jesus says, you know, sometimes people hear the gospel, but they don't get it. Or it's just not what they're looking for. Or they could hear it all the time, but they just kind of sit there and it just doesn't resonate. And the seed kind of bounces off their heart and it is snatched by Satan. So the sower continues. The farmer then throws his seed on the soil that's filled with rocks. Again, interesting move. And at first, it looks really good. The plant shoots up, and it looks great, but then the sun comes out, and there's no roots, and it scorches the plant. And Jesus says, well, sometimes people hear the gospel, and they love it. They walk out of church feeling great. Yes, this is exactly what I needed. Everything's going to be great. But then life happens. God asks them to sacrifice them some things for the kingdom of God. They face persecution. The, the kingdom of God isn't what they thought it would be. They, they thought it would make their lives incredible, but really it actually makes their lives harder, and, well, it's not what they signed up for. And the sun scorches the crop. But the sower continues. He throws his seed on the soil filled with weeds. Again, interesting move. And the seed makes a plant, and it looks good, and it grows, but the weeds grow too. And there's not enough nutrients in the soil for both the weeds and the crop, and the crop dies. And Jesus says that you know, when people hear the gospel, sometimes they, they believe. They have faith. They love God. But they love their career just a little bit more, or their family or their reputation, or their appearance, or their ambition. And the things that God has given them as a blessing actually become their God, and their faith is choked out. Now, if, we're, if we were to watch this farmer throw his seed, we'd probably have a lot of questions. First of all, what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe you should change your method. Obviously, what you're doing is not working. You've you got to change something, either the seed or where you're throwing it. You, it's not working. But that's the point. The sower doesn't work in the way that we would expect. The sower is not what we would expect. So actually, it almost makes sense that the Pharisees didn't accept Jesus. They weren't impressed by him because he wasn't what they were expecting. The Pharisees were hoping for a, a a moral political leader that would put the Jews back on top, not a savior from sin. 
And most of the people that Jesus was talking to, they weren't expecting someone who would die on the cross for their sins. No, they wanted a powerful king, a military conqueror that would take down the Romans and bring Israel back to her former glory. But that's not what Jesus came to do. See, they wanted the kingdom of God to spread like all the other kingdoms of the world. And unfortunately, throughout history, Christians have kind of fallen into this trap. They get the idea that the kingdom of God spreads like all the other kingdoms. So you have Christians who, who think they're doing a good thing, and they go to other places, and they conquer people and ruin their culture and force people into being Christian. But that's not the seed. That's not how it works. And even today, people try to spread the kingdom of God through manipulation or force. People tell the lie, oh, well, if you are good and you believe in God, you do all the right things, God's going to make you rich. God's going to make you healthy. He's going to give you everything you want. But that's, that's manipulation. That's, all the, that's all, all the other kingdoms. That's how they spread. That's not the seed. And some people try to spread the kingdom through uh, force and scaring people, saying, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you're going straight to hell. God's going to be angry with you. But that's not the seed. That's not how the kingdom spreads. It is tempting, though, isn't it? It's tempting to, to want the kingdom of God to spread like all the other kingdoms, especially for those of us who, who have spouses. We try to get into church, but they just don't want any part of it. It's tempting for those of us who, who maybe have kids, who maybe when they were really little loved coming to the church, loved Jesus, but as they grew up, they, they fell away. It's tempting for us who have friends and people that we care about who we know need Jesus, but they just don't want him. It's tempting for all of us who live in this world so filled with evil and, and hatred and oppression and corruption, who we know th there's so much hurt out there, and we have a God who can heal all these broken hearts, and they don't want it. But as we look at our own hearts, can, can we say we're any better? And we have the seed, right? We sit in church every Sunday and the seed is being thrown at us and sometimes it, we take it, but sometimes well, we start thinking, man, he's been yelling for a while when he's going to be done. Right? The seed bounces off our hearts and Satan snatches it. We're, we're just like that first soil. Well, sometimes we have the seed, and sometimes we feel great coming out of church. Yes, this is it. This is going to be great. But then, well, things happen. God asks us to sacrifice some things. He asks us to bear a cross, and we actually get mad at God as if he's supposed to make our lives easy because of this. We're shallow. We're just like the second soil. And sometimes, you know, we have the seed, and we have faith. We love God, but we... Just love our, our money, our family, our appearance, our social status just a little bit more, and that becomes our God instead of the one who gives us all these things. We're just like the third soil. See, the world's not divided into good soil and bad soil. We are all the soils. And God knows this. God knows about our hardness and our shallowness and our weediness. God knows about all the ways that we've disobeyed him, all the ways that we've rebelled against him, and yet he still loves us. 
He still wants to be our Father. He still wants us to know Him. But if God is going to make Himself known to sinful people, He's going to have to do it in a way that's small enough for us to handle. So God hides Himself when He reveals Himself. He reveals Himself not through divine, great, big miracles, but through words. Words spoken through regular, flawed people like Moses and David and the prophets and John and Paul. Impressive? It's a book. But this is how we hold God's own heart in our very hands. Small, maybe, but powerful? Yes, exactly what we need? Yes. And God knew that we needed a redeemer from sin. And so he sent his son into the world. God himself became a man, a human just like all of us. Unimpressive? Yeah, maybe. Born to parents who were dirt poor, raised in in a place called Nazareth, uh, one of the most insignificant parts of the most insignificant countries in, in the entire world at that time. Someone who was dirt poor for his whole life and homeless for a part of it too. Unimpressive? Maybe. But that's what we needed. And the way that that King of glory, Jesus Christ, the way that he won the victory, not by great acts of power, not by divine miracles, but by being slaughtered like a criminal. Unimpressive? Yeah, atrocious. Who would follow a king that does that? What kind of victory is that? Going to a cross and dying like a criminal with all of your people mocking you, what kind of victory is that? But that is how he restored our relationship with God. That is how he took what we deserved and made us right before God. Unimpressive? Yeah, scandalous. But it's exactly what we needed. And now the seed of the gospel, the the truth, the, the message, the good news about the cross, that because Jesus did what he did, when I stand before God, I never have to wonder if I'm okay enough, if I'm good enough, because I know that Christ did everything for me. That message changes us. Now we can completely love God and completely love each other and serve each other without selfishness, or anything bad. No, we can serve each other in complete love and unity. And that is something that no army, no philosophy, no political power could ever do. But Jesus doesn't end his, his parable with the bad soils. No, he ends it with the good soil. Because eventually the sower, he turns to the good soil and he throws his seed and finally, finally, crops come up and a garden is made and food comes and it can feed a whole community life happens it works the seed works the seed works so is the point of this this sermon that well you better make sure that you're not the wrong kind of soil you better fix yourself make your no We're all the soils. We all are equally sinful. We all have the same capacity to reject the seed. So that means that 
it's not our job to dismiss all the people out there who haven't accepted the seed yet because they're not the right type of soil. And certainly not our job to doubt the power of the seed or change the seed into something that's not the seed because we think that that's what's going to bring people in. No. The seed is how God changes hearts. That's how he does one of his mightiest miracles, to change the human heart into something that was stony and cold and evil, and he changes it into something that's beautiful, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, something that loves God. I suppose if we were looking at a big empty field filled with dirt, we could probably come up with a lot of ways to change that field in big, impressive ways. So a, a meteor could come from the sky and create a huge crash in a big crater, right? That's a big, impressive change, right? Everyone's going to know about that. Or we could stick a bunch of dynamite in the field and blow it up, right? That's a big, impressive change. Everyone's going to know about that. But what if you plant seeds? What if you plant seeds throughout that field? No one's going to know. You can't hear that. Who's going to know about it? Even after a few days, you're not even going to tell a difference. But give it time. Give it time, and those seeds are going to become crops. And that field's not going to just be a field anymore. It's going to be a garden filled with life. The seed, it's small, but it changes the field into something completely different. Something that can sustain life. Something that spreads life. Armies are powerful. Philosophy is seductive and uh, coercion and force, they work. But God spreads his sovereignty through a seed. And God, even though he could come down and tell people about himself and show his muscles and his power and just make everyone come into his kingdom, he doesn't do that. And even though God could send angels to every single person and convince them, hey, yeah, this is the real deal, come on, he doesn't do that. You know what God does? God spreads his seed, his power to save through us. And this seed is small enough and simple enough that, that our own kids get it, right? But yet it's deep enough and profound enough that even the greatest thinkers can't really wrap their minds around it. You know, the seed is powerful and we've all experienced that power in our lives because we know that we have everything we need because the God of the universe loves us. The seed is powerful. Trust the seed. And trust the sower. He knows what he's doing. Amen. <laughs>